This is the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain. I caught up with James Rosendell at the BES annual meeting back in December 2012 in Birmingham, UK, to ask him about OneZoom, an interface for visualizing large data sets, including phylogenetic trees. James Rosendell. I'm a postdoc at Imperial College London. Uh, I'm a biodiversity theorist, but I also have an interest in data visualization. So could you describe OneZoom uh, briefly? OneZoom is a way to visualize large and complex data sets that I've initially applied more specifically to phylogenetic trees. That's partly because it's an area of interest in terms of my research, and therefore it was quite an obvious application, but it's also because I think that there's a real need for a better way to visualize phylogenetic trees. The key concept behind OneZoom is that everything you need to see is all on a single page, one page, and all you have to do is zoom in and out to access all that information, a bit like the way you'd explore a map zooming in to reveal further details about any area of interest. So what, what was the motivation behind the OneZoom project? The first idea that I think could be identified with OneZoom that I had was almost a, a blue skies idea that, that perhaps could never happen, which is the idea of a mind map that contains all of human knowledge. And the concept was that this could be done by using a fractal visualization concept where the bubbles of your mind map get smaller and smaller and smaller into the distance but you can zoom in to reveal them and if you do that you essentially have an infinite amount of space on which to tag your information so you could put all human knowledge on one page in theory using that technique so what happened next was as I was working with Luke Harmon, who was my co-author on this project, we were discussing phylogenetic trees, and it was actually on the day that we visited Darwin's house on a day off uh, in London that we first discussed phylogenetic tree visualization, and I made that link to this crazy idea of the mind map of all human knowledge and realized that that same idea of zooming and fractals to explore data sets could be applied to phylogenetic trees. So what are the problems with uh, current uh, methods for visualizing phylogenies? I think there are really four issues. The first is the need to upscale them to visualize large phylogenies that are now increasingly being created. The second is intuition. And although a cladogram can be quite intuitive for a small data set mm -hmm. with the kind of size data sets that we're now creating, cladograms are quite difficult to read, partly because of their sheer size. And then the third issue is metadata. We're increasingly recognizing the need to study additional information metadata and include those on the trees. But with traditional tree plotting algorithms, there's only limited space for it mm -hmm. on the leaves and on the interior nodes. Whereas with the OneZoom method, mm -hmm you can zoom in anywhere and reveal further information. Right. So there's an unlimited amount of metadata possible everywhere. But I think the final problem, which is perhaps overlooked, but which I think is maybe the most important, is the need to have something that is compelling and enticing and, and beautiful to mm -hmm. allow members of the public to get excited about 
evolution using tree of life as the backbone of evolution mm -hmm. and the, the public won't get excited about dry scientific diagrams but i hope that they might get excited about one zoom right so so why do we care about uh, visualizing phylogenies well a lot of our inferences, it's true, come from rigorous statistical analysis of phylogenies and other big data. But I think that it's important not to overlook the need to wrap our human brains around those data sets in order to absorb them. Patterns will leap out at us. We might be wrong, but mm. we will see things and that will inform our analysis process. Mm. And as the data sets get bigger, we certainly need data sets of that size in order to answer the big questions. That's becoming clear. We are going to need similarly advanced ways to visualize and intuitively understand those complex data sets in order to continue to use our human intuition in inferences from those large and complex data sets. So you, so you mentioned a bit about the, the fractal nature of, of OneZoom. Um, can you describe a bit about how, how that works? So it uses a type of algorithm that would be known as an L system, and these repeatedly apply, like many fractal plotting algorithms, they repeatedly apply the same rules again and again, iteratively, so as to produce very complex, detailed, and often beautiful images from what are essentially very simple sets of underlying rules. So in order to create one zoom, I adapted those algorithms to reflect the raw data, in this case a phylogenetic tree, so that properties such as the balance of the tree could be reflected in the choice of angles and ratios between the different branch lengths of the tree. But then additionally put lots of text labels and colors on the tree at different scales so that it wasn't just an image of a tree that looked a bit like a tree. There was also text and interesting information to see at all scales that mm -hmm. resembled the phylogenetic tree. Yeah, so, so what kinds of taxonomic groups uh, can currently be viewed using OneZoom? The first taxonomic group that we included was mammals, based on the already published data set. And we then moved on to include amphibians shortly afterwards. Bacteria are also in there, but they're not so interesting because many of them are numbers. At the moment, I'm working on birds and that's the, the bird data of Yetzetal that recently came out. So quite soon that should also be available on OneZoom. But first I want to make sure that the common name labels are in place correctly so that mm. members of the public who like to think in terms of common names can access that data freely. I've also been adding the red lists status information onto those trees. I hope that within a few months I'll have all tetrapods and in collaboration with the Open Tree of Life project, within a year or so, we should have the complete tree of life, including mm. a good chunk of extinct species to be included mm. too. Wow. So, so you mentioned um, you're adding um, common names and red list, IUCN red list status. to the so, so can that be implemented in the NUIC file format, or does that have to be done separately? At present, the way that it works is the names of species have mm. curly brackets right. after them which contain metadata. Right. It's been suggested that that's not the best way of doing it yeah. and I expect that we will look to better data formats in the future. But my aim for the first version of OneZoom was to 
put forward the overall concept of right. it and what it was capable of doing even in a even in an unfinished first version format right. and the reason that i put red list information and common names in was because i wanted to excite the public and mm. it was too complicated to put photographs in at that stage but i felt that the common names in the red list was just enough to mm. get the public interested whereas right. latter names on their own would be nothing to them right. in general right or do you think you'll be able to just um, build in APIs that will pull in data from you know, pictures and things like that from Encyclopedia of Life? That's exactly the hope. Yeah. Certainly, I'd like to use the Encyclopedia of Life API. Yeah. There's also the Tree of Life project, Wikipedia, uh, Google Image Searches, Flickr. Right. There's yeah. a yeah. whole wealth of information. We've been talking uh, at the meeting here with Jonathan Silvertown about iSpot and potentially integrating okay. it with that. So there are is what a is, whole. What is iSpot? iSpot is a citizen science, okay. uh, a citizen science project where, which includes social networking. Okay. There's a whole wealth of big data sets starting to become collected in this field. There's a real feeling that that's the direction that it's going in in order to be able to answer the big questions. But what I think all of these data sets and websites have missing is a nice front end with which you can mm -hmm. easily interact and integrate all of that data in an easy way. And I do think that OneZoom can potentially provide that mm. as long as we get the, the time, the funding, and the resources to pull those data sets together in a OneZoom framework. What are other, other kinds of applications that uh, OneZoom can be used for? One application that's still within biology would be the visualization of genealogies mm -hmm. and also the visualization of gene trees within species trees. Mm -hmm. Those would need some further developments, but they can certainly be done within the OneZoom concept. Outside of biology, I think any large and complex data set, any kind of big data could potentially benefit from a OneZoom way of being viewed and explored with zooming and with fractals. Uh, I would call this, incidentally, an interactive fractal-inspired graph, mm -hmm. or IFIG for short. Yeah. And I envisage those being useful in engineering for visualizing large and complex hierarchies of sensors and other devices in big mm -hmm. plants. Also, complex financial data sets, which tend to be hierarchical, and the contents of people's computers or even the contents of the internet. Do you think OneZoom will change um, what the public uh, thinks about diversity? I certainly hope so. That was one of the aims. I think the way in which this could happen would be in giving an interactive way to see the sheer scale of biodiversity. Mm -hmm. It's all very well for us to say there's about two million species that we know of, but that's quite different from being able to actually see just how big that number is yeah. and just how much variety there is between those species. I also think that in terms of understanding evolution and understanding the, the evidence, the fossil evidence and the information about how evolutionary links took place in the past, it's very powerful for us to give members of the public the freedom to explore the complete tree and see that wherever they explore, there's interesting information, there's fossils, there's evidence, rather than for us to show them a few individual bits that we mm -hmm. think we can explain easily, but withholding the, the whole. 
So by being an interactive experience rather than a one-way experience, mm. it will hopefully find its place alongside other means of public communication. Mm. I hope, incidentally, that OneZoom will find its way ultimately into interactive displays at places such as museums, zoos, botanical mm. gardens, where there's a public dissemination role mm. and where you could have something at the entrance where people could explore biodiversity and also see which elements of that biodiversity are available to see as mm. specimens or hmm. and where they are in yeah. that particular organization. So what are the uh, future plans for OneZoom? In the immediate future, I'm hoping to continue to improve the website, putting more data into it. I'm also going to be looking at making it compatible with mobile devices such as tablets and smartphones because the fundamental idea of one zoom is compatible with those a small screen shouldn't matter because you can just zoom in to get in extra information so certainly that's part of the idea mm -hmm. but there is further programming to be done for that I'd also like to see photographs put in there because I think that will really make a big difference for the accessibility and the general levels of interest I think that I'll move on to try and access some of these other applications that I mentioned earlier on so that we can evaluate which ones are worth spending the most time on. Certainly I'm going to need to try and access funding so mm. that I can employ one or two professional programmers to push this project forwards yep. and uh, move it into new areas. So in the publication, you mentioned the paper paradigm. Can you talk more about that? So what I'm referring to with the paper paradigm is this practice of using a computer as though it were a piece of paper that could quite easily be wiped and reprinted because the screen enables you to do that, but still thinking in a constrained paper way about the computer screen and what you put on it. It's only because of computer technology that we have all this big data around us. For instance, we used to store information on paper, we used to transfer it on paper, and we used to get the information with paper-based methods. All of that has changed in the last decade or two drastically so that now everything is digitized and mm. most things are looked at on an, a computer screen which could be interactive. So it seems to me that we can lose a very big constraint by no longer requiring mm. that information to be printed by pressing a print button, by no longer requiring that information to be laid out on the mm. screen in a way that you, you just scroll up and down to access it like a document. And it seems almost certain that by removing that constraint, you can do better than you could do with it. Right. And that's why I think for big data visualization, we need to move away from the paper paradigm even further than we have already. And before we end the interview, James had an interesting uh, origin story for OneZoom. So we went to Darwin's house and we walked around Darwin's thinking path. Yeah. And Luke, in particular, made a big deal about the fact we were walking around Darwin's thinking path and that we should try and have a brilliant idea to <laughs> coincide with this moment. And he even suggested that we have our photographs taken in front of Darwin's house <laughs> at the end of the thinking path so that that photograph could be identified with this moment of this <laughs> idea we were going to have. Unfortunately, the idea of one zoom wasn't quite 
coming yeah. to us as we were going around the thinking path, but a bit later in the day. So certainly motivated and brought on by that yeah. visit, we had the idea. And so I now think of that photograph as being the photograph of the birth of one Zoom. <laughs> I have been speaking with James Rosendahl of Imperial College London for the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain.